doing welcome to the teaching ministry of Nelson Ihiagwa. Be stirred as you listen. You know, last week we started a teaching called Heartburn. We started a teaching called Heartburn. And I'm going to finish it tonight. I'm going to finish this teaching tonight. Okay. So it's going to be really amazing. It's going to be really interesting. Um, it's something that we started off last week. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from the teachings. I've heard I was blessing a lot of people, touching them, giving them a new um, insight to devotion. Giving them a new insight to devotion. And I'm really excited as to what the Word of God is doing in the hearts of many. All right? So, um, yeah. So tonight, let's just look at a few things. Father, we thank you. Turn your Bible with me to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 1. Colossians 3 1. Colossians 3 1. And it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Verse 2, he says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Verse 3, he says, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Verse 4, he says, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. Verse 5. He says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, you know, I've always, whenever I teach from this verse, I always use something vital. I say, verse 3 says, You are dead. Verse 5 says, Mortify. So, are we dead or should we kill? Because mortify means to kill, to make dead. All right? To make dead, to put to death, to slay. So, are we dead or should we kill? That's what the Bible that's, that's, you know, the question a lot of people have to ask when they read this verse. Are we dead or should we kill? But I mean, when you look at when you look at the when you look at the verse critically, there are a few things that you see. There are a few things that you see, and one of the things that you see are, praise God. One of the things that you see are the fact that we have risen with Christ. So He's telling us an instruction now. Because we have risen with Christ, we are to seek the things that are above. Because we have risen with Christ, we are to seek the things that are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Then verse 2 now says that we should set our affection on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Alright? Set our affection above, not on the things that are on the earth. So, because we have risen with Christ, we can set our affection. Do you see that? Because you have risen with Christ, you can set your affection. Your affection is not one to waver. Your affection is not one to wonder. Your affection is not one to seek. Um, what's the word? Your affection is not one to seek. Um, 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 what's the what's the word now? Seeking where to be placed. 
as a believer because you have risen with Christ you command your affection you command where you put your affection because we have risen with him we can set our affection on the things that are above because we have risen with him we can set our affection on the things above so verse 3 now says he says for you are dead somebody said the, the Nigerian in you just shouted God forbid but you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God so you are dead you died when he died that is what is called baptism identification in the sufferings and the resurrection of Christ you died when he died for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God verse 4 he says when Christ who is our life shall appear then shall ye also appear with him in glory so look at that verse 3 now it says we are dead therefore our life is hid with Christ so this is a legal reality that you died with him are you with me you died with him then verse 5 now goes and says mortify so it is safe to assume that what the context is saying is this not even assume it is clear that what the context is saying is because you died with Christ you can put to death the members of your flesh because in actuality you died to him the members of your flesh have been put to death so the death of Christ has found expression in you in terms of mortifying the desires and the lusts of the flesh when the loss of the flesh wants to grip on the believer, the believer can do away with it. Why? Because he is not dead in sin. He is dead to sin. So because sin has been put to death in his life, he can put death to sin in his life. Hallelujah. So it is both a legal reality and a vital reality. Because you are dead, you can die. Let me say that again. Because you are dead, you can die. Because you are dead to sin, you can die to sin. Because you are dead to sin, you can die to sin. So verse 3, verse 3 starts with setting your affection. You know, what it means to set your affection is to direct your mind to one thing. To direct your mind to one thing. To seek interest. To seek interest, basically to channel your interest to something. Are you with me? Is to channel your interest to something. Child of God, you are not as susceptible to your emotions as you think. You can channel your emotions by the Spirit of God. By the realities in Christ you have experienced. You can make legal, you can make vital what is legal. The realities in Christ, you can place them, you can superimpose them on your everyday activities and everyday actions. Glory to God. You can superimpose them on your everyday activities and your everyday actions. So he said, set your affections on things above, not on the things on the earth. Then he now goes to say that you are dead. And because you are dead, your life is hid with Christ in God. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. So, because we die, we can mortify. You know, my pastor gives a very powerful example, Pastor Emmanuel Aaron. He says, he says, what does it mean to mortify? It means, he gives an example, he paints a picture with this. He says, um, you know, when you kill chicken, I don't know how many of you have killed a live chicken before. I have not. I don't think I will ever. You know, praise God. It doesn't make me less anointed. Hallelujah. Um, when you kill a live chicken, you know, even when he's even dead for some minutes, there are still um, there are still symptoms or, or signs of life 
in that chicken. So when you pluck the feathers and all those things, I've seen where it happens. You know, when you pluck the feathers and all, once you pour hot water on the chicken, the chicken will react. Because the death has not taken full scope over the chicken. There are still signs of life. Nerves are still alive. And all those things, you know. Um, there's a... Uh, I think I heard somewhere that even when you behead someone, the person still is still alive for a few moments before the person actually dies. I read the fact of a chicken who lived for long because even after his head was off, because they missed an artery in the neck that was supplying blood to the brain, I believe, or something. And then the chicken was still alive for a while, you know, before it died. So that points to a particular thing that the believer has died to sin, but then, because he has died to sin, he can place to death the workings of sin in his members. He can place to death the workings of sin in his members. So because you died, you can die. Because you died to sin, you can die to sin. Praise the Lord. Or you, Because you died to sin, you can put the sin to death in your life. I'm going somewhere. Okay, so having said that, turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Go to verse 41. Go to verse 41. Hallelujah. Matthew 26 from verse 41. Look at what he says. He says, Jesus speaking to his disciples now. Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. That ye enter not into temptation. Why? Because the spirit indeed is willing. Jesus speaking. He said the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, when it comes to the things of the spirit, this is a disposition. That of a truth, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can I say that again? Of a truth, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It is God, it is you know, I, I read to you um, two, uh, on the Friday of stay. I said, I read to you Galatians how the flesh lusted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. He said they both walk contrary, that you will not do what you will. They are both walking in opposition to other, that you will choose one and let go of the other. All right? But if you choose to walk in the spirit, the flesh will suffer for it. If you choose to walk in the flesh, the deposit of the spirit will suffer for it. But the truth of the matter is, when it comes to a disposition to the things of the spirit, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. So you need to even understand that even when we're talking of heartburn, when we're talking of the things of God, when we're talking of the things of the Spirit, you know the last time I was talking of how it is a real factor, that it doesn't matter where your devotion is now, you love the Lord. That is a legal fact. It is something that you have not done by anything you can do, but it is just made available by the working of the Spirit on your inside. By the working of the Spirit on your inside, I can make bold to say by the apostles that if you are born again, you actually love the Lord. Because you loving the Lord is not a factor of anything you have done anything you can do it's just a simple factor of the fact that he has shed love abroad in our heart by the spirit we love the things of God not by anything we have done but by the sheer availability of the spirit glory to God by the sheer availability of the spirit so 
Um, but the truth of the matter is this. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is striving for the things of God, but the flesh is weak. When it comes to superimposition, when it comes to placing, placing, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for now? When it comes to making legal what is vital, you will have to, you will have to throw the things in your heart. You will have to, you will have to align yourself. You will have to set your affection on the things above. You will have to set your affection on the things above. You will have to understand that of a truth, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So you will not have to choose which one. Even the days when you don't feel like praying, the days when you don't feel like studying your Bible, the days when you feel like you should eat and you should not fast, you remember that the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The question will not be, who will you submit yourself to? Who will you set your affections to? Will you set your affections on the things that pass away? Or you will set your affections on the things above but the bible lets us understand in colossians 3 he says set your affection on the things above set your affection on the things above set your affection on the things above hallelujah praise god turn your bible with me to colossians 4 colossians 4 colossians 4 from verse 12 now, this is Paul speaking about someone called Epaphras. This is Paul speaking about someone called Epaphras. What did Paul say about Epaphras? Paul said, Epaphras, who is one of you? A servant of Christ saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. He said that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now, this verse puts a caveat to things that some of us might think about. Can I tell you something? Maybe you've, you've seen it from experience. Prayer is not always sweet. Let me say it again. Prayer is not always sweet. Let me say it for the last time. Prayer is not always sweet. Because look at the language that Paul used here. He said, laboring fervently in prayer. I mean, you know when he looks at the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Has the spirit of God ever woken you up at night? You know, maybe rain fell that night and then the elements were, were hugging you on your bed and you just wanted to close your eye and open your eye by 9am in the morning and then the Holy Ghost is waking you by 2.30 and he's waking you up to pray. At that moment, you really understand what it means for the spirit to be willing but the flesh is weak. But the question is at those times, what will you now say? Because the truth of the matter, like I was saying, is prayer is not always sweet. But what did the Bible say in Colossians 4 2? Paul was speaking about Epaphras and he said he labored fervently. Child of God, when it comes to prayer, there are times you will labor fervently. You will have to labor. You will have to drag yourself to the place of prayer. You will have to contend in prayer. You know, you will pray and you will pray for long. You will pray past the point of where your body is ringing all the alarms. All the signs in your body are telling you you are tired. But you will have to just stay in prayer. Because you know this is what I'm to do. This is how I set my affection. This is one of the ways I'm setting my affection on the things above. Listen, as a child of God, nothing should command your greatest desire than God. Not Champions League, not anime, not fashion, not entertainment. As good and great as all these things are, nothing should command your attention as much as the Lord. You know, you, you can binge watch series. And occasionally, you know, no problem. But, you know, how have you stayed long in prayer? 
have you equated, equated that time in prayer? Have you equated that time in the word? Have you been read the Bible? You know? You see, when it comes to the superimposition of the things of the spirit, that is where setting your affection is. That is where, you know, you make legal, you make vital the realities that work in your spirit. The fact that you love the Lord, you will not just enjoy it in your spirit. You will bring it over your circumstances. There are many times you deny yourself of fact that, okay, I'm not watching TV. I'm not doing this. I'm staying with my Bible. I'm staying in prayer. We've done much more for much less. You know, um, there's something I realized. You know, the same way everybody can read is the same way everybody can pray. You maybe have just not seen it as really important. You know, you think that every nobody the guy cannot read until one night to the exam, he will read the entire course. He will read the entire course. And as he reads the entire course, he's going to um, you know, now come to the exam. He didn't sleep all through the night, but he has been playing all through the semester, and then he comes to read. It's the same way people also have problems. You know, they don't pray at all. They don't have a prayer life. But when they have an issue, all the prayer they did not pray, they now move it into emergency. They now start praying at that time. They now start praying at that time. They now start saying, oh God, hear my cry. And they now start praying and all those things. Everybody can pray. People have just not seen it as important. People have just not seen it as important. You set your affections on the things above. You know, even in as much as prayer and the things of God is, is delight, the truth is, it, it is actually delightful duty. In as much as we love the Lord and we love the things of God, the things of God are just not, the things of God are just not delight. Amen. The things of God are delightful duty. Praise God. The things of God are delightful duty. This is what the Lord is saying. Rise up from that shame. Rise up from that pain. I don't condemn you, says the Lord. Don't condemn yourself. I don't condemn you, says the Lord. Don't condemn yourself. Yes, I gave you nudgings. Yes, I gave you promptings. Yes, I told you the things to do and you've not done them so far. But why don't you shake yourself and start them now? Shake yourself and start them now, says the Lord. Because the truth of the matter is this. Whether you did them or not, my love is not dependent on those things. My love for you is dependent on who I am. Who I am. My love for you is dependent on who I am, not what you've done. Stay in my love. Bask in my love. Abound in my love. Because my love for you is independent of your circumstances, independent of your situations. My love for you is as consistent as who I am. Says God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Baradagaba Jekeida. You see, anyways, back to what I was saying. Um, the things of God, the things of God, okay, let me say this, you see, where I come from, when we prophesy, we rejoice at it. Because God can speak through men. So when men prophesy, you rejoice, you glorify him, because it's, it's testimony that his spirit is within men. Hallelujah. All right. Colossians 4, like I was saying, was this. Bask. Bask. 
in who bus college college collections for let us understand that you know there is labor to these things there is labor while we enjoy the things of god there is labor to it there is labor to the things of god that the, the things of god are, they are delightful but the truth is it is delightful duty we love and we enjoy the things of God. But then there are particular times when you may not feel like it. And what you need to do at those times is you need to gather, you need to call your attention back. You need to set those affections afresh. You know, let me, let me show you a bit. Let me show you a bit. Um, let's look at the life of Jesus a little bit. Turn your Bible with me to John chapter 2. You know, I read this last week. John chapter 2. Go to verse 17. Look at what he says. Verse 16 now. He says, or, you know what, let's read from verse 13. This is what Jesus said. He said, and the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to the temple, to Jerusalem, and found in the temple those that sold oxen, and sheep, and doves, and changers of money. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove all of them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the table. 16, he said, and said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house an house of merchandise. And, it, and his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thy house had eaten me up. The disciples remember that, oh, this was prophecy that was fulfilled because Jesus did have zeal for the things of God. Listen, let me now say this. Zeal that is not seen is questionable. Zeal that is not seen is questionable. You see, you might say, I'm fervent. I love the Lord in my chest. If you love the Lord in your chest, who will see it in your actions. If you love the Lord in your chest, you know, this relationship between me and God is in my spirit. If it is in your spirit, it's going to show in your body. Praise Jesus Christ. So, you know, in, uh, in Acts chapter 6, they say, pick men full of the Holy Ghost among you. You know, full of wisdom and all these things. Now, these things are things that are innate. But these men, how did they pick? The, how did the people pick the deacons for the apostles? They picked the deacons for the apostles by looking among them so when they said who is fervent in this place there's a way they looked around and they saw that oh okay philip is fervent Stephen is, is fervent this person is fervent fervency is not just a thing of the heart fervency is seen if you are around somebody that is fervent you will know if you're around somebody who loves football you will know if you're around somebody who loves football see you see you see a lot of people say things like you know when it comes to God, I don't really like to shout. I like churches where they worship quietly and all those things. But when your football, when your favorite football team scored, you did not celebrate quietly. You shouted. You shouted. When um, um, if I if there's a there's a kind of alert that will hit your phone, you will throw the phone away. It's not because you want to throw it away. It's because you are excited. You are rejoicing at what has been done. How much more the deposits of the spirit on your inside? How much more the things that concern God? How much more he that is supposed to have your devotion? He that is supposed to have your attention? If truly he's worth more than gold, if truly he's worth more than silver, if truly he's worth more than anything life can offer you, then nothing else 
and even this i'm not now i'm not saying making this i'm not saying this to make you feel guilty but if you feel guilty it's fine even sleep is not should not be strong enough to deprive you of your prayer time food should not be strong enough to make you break your fast before time distractions should not be strong enough to make you not study the word can I even say something? I know this might be kind of difficult based on Lagos and the hostile environment you are in. But even work should not be strong enough to not make you pray and study your Bible. It should not be strong enough. I know traffic and all those things, but those times you are in transit, maximize it. Listen to a sermon. Those times you are at the office, you know, maybe take your break time, take 15 minutes, read one, two chapters of the Bible, go to the bathroom, pray 15 minutes, and all those things. It helps. These are the things that will keep you alive. So every time, we're not trying to do revival for you like you're a dry stick. Hey, in the name of Jesus, repent. There is no excuse. There is, see, the only reason why your excuse will be tenable, you know, for not praying, for not doing the things of God, the only reason your excuse will be tenable is if your excuse outweighs the fact that Jesus died for you. If your excuse outweighs the fact that Jesus died, that he was God, but he counted it not robbery to be equal with man, to, he, he counted it not robbery to be, um, in his, to become man, you know, that God became a man and he, the life died for you and I. If that your excuse can hold more water than the fact that God became a man and died, then it's okay not to pray. I'm sure that your excuse, even God will look at that excuse and say, ah, you tried you tried but if that excuse does not hold water when compared to this other one child of god nothing else let me say that again nothing should command your attention like the things of god speak in tongues under your breath speak in tongues in transit warm your heart because can i tell you something this world is dark this world is dark this world is looking to 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 choke the life of God in you. This world is looking to make the believer live, live a life of carnality, live a life of the flesh, live a life of the senses. That is how this world is designed. But you say no. You superimpose the realities of God in your spirit around you. You set your affections on things above. When it looks like you cannot pray, when it looks like things, just remember the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. I set my affections on things above. Then you come out and you pray. You study the word. You fast occasionally. Can I say something? It is difficult. You know, in this time, our, it is difficult to hear believers. But believers don't fast again. Believers don't fast again. Believers don't fast. So it's, it's strange to hear something like, oh, I'm not eating today. I'm not eating tomorrow. I'm going to eat in two days' time. It's strange to hear things like, oh, okay, I'm not eating. All I'm taking is just water and liquid, you know, to keep my strength up for two days' time. Um, I'm going to pray from 6 hours, 8 hours, 12 hours. Why are you praying that long? What are you even saying? What are you asking God? How many problems do you have? The problem is you still think prayer is about collecting from God. Come up higher. Come up higher. Come up higher. Body, carry your body. Come up higher. Praise Jesus. You see, fervency that is not seen is a scam. Praise Jesus. Tell your neighbor, fervency that is not seen is calm. Luke chapter 6. Look at this. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 verse 12. And it came to pass in those days, he went out into the mountain to pray. 
and it continued all night in prayer to God. This is talking about your Lord and Savior, the pattern son, Jesus Christ. He went and he prayed all night. I mean, if you know Jesus, you know that his sleep was important to him because he was in a boat and then there was storm and then the water was touching him. The water was touching him. And as the water was touching him, it means that he woke up. It means that the water was touching him, but he was still asleep. So if there's anything, this should tell you that sleep is something of the divine. Praise God. Jesus enjoyed his sleep well. They had to wake him and say, Master, don't you care that we perish? And then Jesus woke, rebuked the storm, and he said, Peace. You know? Now, I just said that to now say this. Jesus, in this verse, we just quoted Luke chapter 6, verse 12. He prayed all night. He says he continued all night in prayer to God. All night here will be 12 hours, 6 p.m. till about 6 a.m. That's what all night will be, 12 hours. Now, you compare that Jesus that his sleep was very important to him and he was praying all night. So it means that he denied himself sleep and prayed all night. Child of God, deny yourself some things for the cause of he that has called you to honor and glory. If it's food, if it is entertainment, there are times you just know I'm pressing my phone too much. Go on social media. You will not die. I promise you. I promise you, you will not die. And people will not miss you as much as you think. Honestly, people will not miss you as much as you think. Go off social media. You realize I'm watching Netflix too much. Shut down Netflix. Start doing other things. Divert that energy somewhere else. Pray some more. You see, the truth of the matter is, when people ask, I don't know how long I should pray. When you are not praying long enough, you know. You know when you are not praying long enough. You know. You know. You know. Now, if you've not listened to the first message, go to the website, download it, niministries.org, and it will give you a good precedence for this message. But the truth of the matter is this. Everything that the Bible tells us to do, it is because we, especially in the epistles, all the instructions that the epistles tell us to do, all the instructions that the epistles tell us to do, is because we can do it. It's because we can do it. There is a platform, there is a springboard to do it. And that is the spirit within. His ears are working you to will and to do. So because he's at working you to, to will and do, there's a springboard by which you can do. Hallelujah. Jesus prayed all night. The Jesus that likes sleep. If there's any note, if there's something you should take out of here, sleep is a thing of the divine glory of God. Look at Mark chapter 1 verse 12. Mark chapter 1 verse 12. Look at what it says. Let's read from verse 11 rather. Now this was after Jesus was baptized and all those things. And a voice, you know, John prophesied. Yeah, and there came a voice from heaven. If you read other, if you read other translations, you know, you will see that it was not a voice from heaven. It was other accounts rather. You realize it's John that prophesied. Especially, um, I think, the book, John's account. No. Yeah, I think John's account. You know, you understand that it was John that prophesied it. Because that was his assignment, to prophesy the Messiah. He says, A voice came from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. Now, this is the Spirit driving Jesus. You know those times when you are feeling Jim Jim? The Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And then, you know, the Bible says he was tempted. Mark just summarized it. But let's go to Luke chapter 4. Go to Luke chapter 4. Let's look at another account. Let's cross-reference. Luke 4. Look at, let's read from verse 1. 
He says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Can I, you know, I said that the things of the Spirit can be difficult sometimes. So you know that, you know that time, you know the Holy Ghost is telling me to fast. That time, the Holy Ghost is leading you to fast by 9.30 or 9.42. You just realize that a strange wave of hunger has hit your stomach. And normally, you can go till, you know, 6 p.m. You're not hungry. But that time, but it's the Holy Ghost that led you. Can you see this? Jesus, after he fasted, he was hungry. Listen, there is nobody you respect in the things of God that has not denied their human element things for growth. Let me say that again. There is nobody you respect in the things of God that has not denied their human element things for growth. If you love the Lord, you will deny yourself things for the sake of growth. If you love the Lord, you will deny yourself things for the sake of growth. Praise Jesus. The Bible says Jesus was hungry after he fasted. Because he was... Now, somebody might ask the question, if Jesus was God, why did he pray? Because men ought always to pray. Because men ought always to pray. Listen, every man of God you love and honor, they get tired. They get hungry. There are times when they straight up don't feel like praying. But you know what makes the difference? Setting your affection. If you only, my pastor, spiritual father, pastor, and man, he says, if you don't, if you only pray when you feel like praying, you have not learned to pray. You have not learned to have a prayer life. If you don't pray when you don't even feel like praying, you don't have, don't deceive yourself. You don't have prayer life. It's the fact that the alarm will ring and you say, ha, oh God, one more episode. But you just stand up and you pray. That's when you've learned to have a prayer life. Matthew chapter 14. We're still looking at Jesus. Matthew chapter 14. Look at verse 23. Now, look at this. It says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, what this means is Jesus just finished teaching. Jesus just finished teaching. When he sent the multitude away, the Bible says he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Jesus sent the multitude away. He sent the multitude away. And he went into the mountain to pray. Jesus sent the multitude away. And he went into it. So it means that after he had finished teaching, after he had done a teaching meeting, Sir Jesus, after he had done it all, he entered the mountain to pray. When you have had a spiritual feat, Matthew 14, 23, when you have had a spiritual feat, that is not, from the examples of Jesus, we understand that that is not even the time to relax. That is the time to tighten your loins and go back to prayer. And go back to prayer and love on the Lord. That's the time to go back to prayer and love on the Lord. When you have just had a spiritual feat, that is the time to go back to prayer and love the Lord. You know, because what we see, what we see in the life of Jesus, what we see in the life of Jesus is this. Um, praise God. Okay. What we see in the life of Jesus is this. Jesus, 
after he had taught the multitude, he sends them away and he went back to prayer. He sends the multitude away and he went back to prayer. If any other thing, child of God, even after you've done the most, go back to prayer. You never outgrow the place of prayer. The way you grow as a believer is the way you grow. The way you grow as a child of God is the way you grow. The way you grow is the way you grow. So you will keep praying. Till you die, you have been sentenced to prayer. Till you die, you have been sentenced to the word of God. Till you die, you have been sentenced to love the things of the spirit. So you will keep giving yourself to prayer. You will keep giving yourself to the word of God. You will keep giving yourself to fasting. That is how you do it. Why? Because as a child of God, that is the life you have been called to live. Praise Jesus. That is the life you have been called to live. Can you hear me? That is the life you have been called to live. You give yourself to prayer. You give yourself to the teaching of the word of God. You submit. You see, the Bible says Paul in um, Acts. He says that he expanded from them from Moses about Christ from morning till evening. He expanded about Christ from morning till evening. If there's anything you should understand that Paul did. If there's anything you understand that Paul did that he expanded from morning to evening is this. Sitting down to listen to teaching from morning to evening is not sweet. It's difficult. But they did it. They did it. Child of God, this is your work with God. If I tell you that every time prayer will be sweet is a lie. If I tell you that every time fasting will be sweet is a lie. If I tell you that every time the word of God is going to be sweet is a lie. There are times you are going to be looking at the Bible and you are seeing another episode. There is a picture on the screen. What you are going to do at that time is to set your affection on things above. Hallelujah. What you are going to be doing is you are going to set your affection to the things above. Jesus, after he finished the teaching meeting, it means that Jesus had a hectic day. He had a hectic day. After Jesus had a very, very hectic, powerful day, what did Jesus do? He set himself apart to pray. Can I tell you something, child of God? Especially for those of us that work, you know, those of us that work, those of us that are in school, we have busy days in various ways. If you cannot, if you have a very busy day and all, even if you pray one hour in the night, two hours in the night, you come back, you rest, you know, as soon as you get back, you just study the Bible. You do some 30 minutes, you do some one hour of Bible study in the night. You know, you do some one hour. Then on the weekend, you die in the place of prayer. If you do that, you will realize that your growth is consistent. Your growth is going to be consistent. Praise Jesus. Should we talk about the word? 2 Timothy 2.15. Are you there? Turn your Bible. 2 Timothy 2.15. It says... He says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word study does not mean read in this context. The word study is spaudazo. It means be diligent to. So be diligent to study, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman. He calls him a laborer. So if you are staying with the word of God, what you are doing as a child of God is you are laboring. You are laboring. You are going to stay in the word of God because it is labor. It's not always sweet, but you will stay with it. You will stay with it. You will stay with it. You will labor fervently. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Hallelujah. Rightly dividing, study. 
you are going to do like a workman you are going to be diligent you are going to stay on the word like it matters like it matters because it does listen if you don't know the word of god in the days where you will need convictions you will not have any can i say that again if you don't stay with the word of god in the days where you will need convictions you will not have any let me say that one more time if you don't stay with the word of god in the days where you will need convictions you will not have any you will not have any you will not have any colossians chapter 3 verse 16 he said let the word of god dwell in you richly let the word of god do you realize that the word of god dwelling richly in the hearts of men is not by laying on of hands it's not just by attending teaching meetings of course you have to attend teaching meetings that is how the word of god dwells in your heart you have to show the same honor you have for the word to the same to to teaching meetings if you honor the word you will honor teaching meetings you know you will come early you will prepare your heart for the teaching of the word you will open your heart to be corrected you will take notes you will listen to the messages and things like that you know but another thing you do is this you let the word of god dwell richly in your heart if the word of god is going to dwell richly in your heart what are you going to do as a child of you will study you will fill your heart with the word you will fill your heart with the word you will read it you will jeremiah said your words did i find and i did eat them and they were the joy and rejoicing of my soul you will find that word and stay with it praise god Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Let me say that one more time. If you don't follow the word of God, if you don't um, if you don't study the word of God, in the days where you will need conviction, you will not have any. Because you've not built a structure in your heart. If you don't study the word of God in the days where you need conviction, you will not have any. Because you've not built a structure in your heart. Romans 12, he said, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. How do you renew your mind? Only by the word of God. Listen, child of God, you cannot just pray. You cannot just study. You cannot choose, I'm a prayer person. That's rubbish. You are not a prayer person. You are a child of God. What that means is you pray, you study, you fast, you are consecrated to the will, counsel, and purposes of God. You pray, you study, you fast, you give yourself to God, you give yourself in service. Your devotion should be on fire. The desire to pray is not the same thing as praying. When you desire to pray, pray. When you remember that I have not prayed today, stand up and pray. The desire to pray is not the same thing as praying. You know, we're going to pray for a few minutes. We're going to pray for some two minutes. I trust you were blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more ministry content, visit niministries.org. God bless you.